a neurodiverse relationship? Well, I've been in one for 30 years. I'm Lilo Bupert, and this is Touching the Tism, a podcast for anyone living with a partner on the spectrum. I've got tips, techniques, and lots of funny stories that will help you navigate and understand the sometimes confounding behaviors of your neurodiverse mate. Listen in and find out what Touching the Tism is all about. Hi, I'm Lilo Bubert, and welcome to another episode of Touching the Tism. Let's talk about sex. <laughs> so, I hate to disappoint you, as I know my husband is a fan favorite, but Bill will not be accompanying me on this podcast. As you can imagine, sex is a sensitive topic for anyone, and especially someone who is ND. I, on the other hand, am not shy about this topic at all. Right out of the gate, I'm going to apologize to my kids. Kids, if you are listening, you probably shouldn't. Yeah, turn it off now so you won't get all creeped out. Mostly, I will be talking in more general terms. Nothing specific about my own personal sex life, sorry. But I'm hoping that I can bring light to things that might be a challenge in a mixed marriage and see if any of this might resonate with you guys. So first off, I'd like to bring up a couple of things. Um, Bill and I are experiencing some major life changes. We will be leaving the great state of Arizona soon and moving to Florida. Another cross-country move for us is daunting. As I'm sure many of you can imagine, although we have done this many, many times, in fact, across the ocean twice, many people think that since Bill was in the military that they just did all the moves for us, and I can assure you that that is not the case. We have moved a total of 13 times, this is our 14th, and the Army only did six of those, so seven, now eight, have been on our own. Only one across country did we do ourselves, though, Idaho to Arizona. And I'm here to tell you, I will never, repeat, never do that again. So I lived in a very large house in Idaho. My grandparents lived with me. I had 10 horses, 13 acres, a 2,400-square-foot garden, a really large house, homeschooled four kids, and Bill ended up getting a job in Arizona. Actually, he was offered a job in, I think it was Afghanistan or Iraq. I get him confused sometimes uh, on the same day. And so I was like, okay, kids, pack up. We're moving to Arizona. So we took three 27-foot Penske's and a truck pulling a trailer with my Kubota tractor and my jump standards on the back from almost to the Canadian border, almost to the Mexican border. Yep. And it took us three very, very long days. We had three cats, three dogs, four kids, and four vehicles. Every hour, somebody had to stop to pee or we had to get gas. So we pull into Arizona. It's like midnight. 
and here is where the real indie traits uh, come in. It was midnight. I was exhausted. I'm like, I'm practically hallucinating. We have got to stop. This is it. I've had it. I've driven like 16 hours that day. We're exhausted. We stop at this little seedy hotel. I had to make beds for the littlest kids out of like two chairs pushed together with blankets on them. I mean, it it wasn't pretty. And Bill said, no, I've got to go to work tomorrow at six o'clock. And I'm like, honey, just call your boss or call her in the morning and tell her that it took a little bit longer and you'll be in the, the following day. He absolutely positively would not do it. That's where the rigidity comes in. And uh, I just thought to myself, oh, my goodness. Will you just go on with your bad self then? I am sleeping. And sure enough, he drove through the night to get to Sierra Vista, Arizona, laid down on the carpet of the house that he had rented for like 20, 30 minutes and got up and, and went to work. So anyway... That's one of my fun moving stories, but uh, that's not really why we're here. I just wanted to throw in what was happening with with Bill and I. So if you can imagine, I've been running like a three-legged dog, and my podcast, unfortunately, has suffered a little bit, so forgive me for not being as timely with my podcast as I normally am. Um, My youngest son is actually getting married, and I am helping to throw that. Plus, I bought a house in Florida and anticipating the cross-country move where I am not driving a 27-foot Penske across. I have to get rid of the majority of my stuff because I'm just going to stuff the important stuff in a pod and buy new on the other end. So you can imagine things have been pretty crazy, and I have not been as punctilious on my podcast as I should have been. So please forgive me. Just another little reminder that if you want to contact me, you can find me at married to the iceman at gmail.com. And don't forget, if you're interested in irregular warfare, give Bill's podcast Chasing Ghosts a chance. I actually find it relatively interesting, even though I really don't have a lot of interest in that subject. He's a fascinating man and he has a lot to say. So anyway, now on to sex, the fun part. So sex on the spectrum. It's a super interesting topic to me uh, from what I understand of other people's experience. You have the total gamut of flavors when it comes to sex with neurodiverse people. So uh, just a little reminder of the terms. ND is neurodiverse or someone on the spectrum, and NT is neurotypical, uh, someone who is not on the spectrum. I also want to remind you that I am coming from the place of the neurotypical with a ND husband, and I am in no way an expert on this topic, and I speak almost solely from my own experience and what I've read and listened to from other people. I have had listeners write me with things they experience and friends who are ND that struggle with certain issues. One of my dearest friends happens to be neurodiverse. And uh, lots of reading on the internet. I hope to give some great pointers for just about anyone, 
but address the specific challenges that show up in an NTND relationship. First off, I'd like to talk about what sex might be like for an ND partner, because this is something that it took a while for me to understand. I have corresponded with other people who are ND, and they have enlightened me on what the experience can be like for them. Again, this is as varied as neurotypicals. Neurodiverse people are not to be put in a box. They are as different as anyone else. They have the same kind of likes and dislikes. I personally believe that we're 90% nature and 10% nurture, and we are all born with what does it for us. And it's the same uh, with uh, neurodiverse people. The challenges that come into play are a lot with the actual mechanics, from what I understand. And since everyone is different, I'm going to play out a few scenarios that might affect NDNT couples. So my little story earlier about the rigidity of NDs is one thing that can make things a bit of a challenge for the neurotypical partner. Neurodiverse people are often quite scripted and scheduled. They are often repetitive and get confused easily about neurotypical needs. Uh, but, but the bigger issue, from my understanding, is either hyposensitivity or hypersensitivity. For me, I have only experienced hypersensitivity with my husband, but I do have a basic understanding of both. And so let me address hypersensitivity first. Imagine attempting to have sex with your partner and you're touching them in a light way, like running your fingers up and down their arm. This for a neurodiverse person can be sheer torture. The lights might be blasting in their face. The music is distracting. Outside noise, the cat jumping on the bed are all things Indies must fight to stay focused on sex. It's, it's really not very romantic for sure and certainly a challenge for both parties. The, the texture of the sheets, the smells in the room, so many sensory overloads are occurring that us neurotypicals are completely unaware of. Imagine as an NT attempting to shut out all that input and enjoy a sexual experience. Not, not easy. It must be exhausting. And add into it aspects of PTSD or possibly abuse in childhood elements, and the whole experience can be terribly overwhelming. For the most part, I think this is not something that a lot of NTs have to deal with. Sure, lots of people have been molested as children and grow up into adulthood and have to deal with the repercussions of those atrocities that happened to them when they were young. But usually you can go to counseling and, and work through it and, and enjoy sex again. But neurodiverse people are wired in that way. That's like somebody who's five foot seven and you know, they wish they were six foot one. Well, they're not six foot one. They're five foot seven and they will be five foot seven till they shrink when they're old. So there is no changing that hard wiring. And I'll get into it a little bit later. Some things that can be done about that from the NT partner's perspective 
if the neurodiverse person is willing to work with them, that can, there are some things that can be done, but basically if your ND partner is hypersensitive, then there's a lot of stimuli that they have to block out to stay focused when trying to pleasure you. And it's not easy. So as an NT, I want to start there and say that I really appreciate all the efforts that are made, uh, especially on my part. And if you are a neurodiverse person and you have to block all that out just to enjoy sex, well, kudos to you because I know it can't be easy. I have had the pleasure of corresponding with someone that told me what their experience was like with sex. And I guess if they had had a disagreement with their partner and and felt pressured to have sex, everything shut down for possibly days or even weeks at a time. And simply the touch of their partner or even the feel of their own hair could be so overstimulating that it could make them experience vertigo or even feel like they had the flu. And forgive me to the dear person who wrote to me. I'm sure I'm not explaining this anywhere near uh, or giving it justice uh, as I'm sure you could, but I'm just trying to paint a picture here of what it could be like for a, a neurodiverse person because neurotypical people, we we don't deal with this at all. We deal with other things, but nothing like this. So imagine just getting into an argument and and your spouse really still wants you to have sex with them and just the the touch of your own hair or even your own skin could make you feel physically ill. I, I'm sure that this is a more extreme case from what I've from my understanding, but still you you get the idea that this can be quite quite the challenge. So the other side of the coin is hypo sensitivity. Now, this is not something that I have a lot of experience with, so I am going to keep it short because I don't want you to think that I'm a know-it-all or I have all the answers. I did have to read up on this quite a bit because this is not something I've personally experienced, but from my understanding, it's where it might take extreme measures to gain arousal or to climax, for instance, there also might be some very specific needs involved to get the person to even be interested in sex, no less being able to perform. Um, This is fairly common, but not necessarily more common than the general public. There has been some research on neurodiverse uh, people and sexual preferences and whether they are more inclined to be asexual or gay or pansexual. But from what I've read, there is no definitive outcome on where they lay on the sexual barometer compared to NTs. So again, NDs are just as complex as NTs, and to think otherwise is is foolish. But I do understand that people are who are neurodiverse and are hyposensitive, and as I do know, um, Aspie people, people on the spectrum... And have talked to my dear friend, and of course I've had 30 years experience with my husband, uh, and I do actually know quite a few neurodiverse couples. 
if you if your partner is hyposensitive and ND, that can be quite a challenge because neurodiverse people often have a very specific way of doing things and they don't usually divert from that. So that could be quite the challenge for the NT to know that, oh, you know, every time we're going to get it on, I have to go through this series of things that does it for my partner. And I think that could be quite exhausting. So now that you have, or for both parties, actually, but so now that you have a little background on what it could possibly be like for an ND to have sexual relations, what might it be like for the NT partner on that side of the fence? So again, I speak for myself and, and some friends that are in the same boat as I am. Sex with an ND partner can be just as fulfilling as sex with an NT, but there are caveats for sure. I have been in a relationship for 30 years, over 30 years now. But I was a grown woman uh, with a child, been married before. I was in my 30s when Bill and I met, so I had had several sexual experiences before I met Bill. I am familiar with what NTNT sex is like, so I had definitely had something to compare it to. So I do have that previous experience. I'd like to recognize, too, that sex with an ND partner means that the neurotypical partner is often the one to make more concessions for the neurodiverse's specific requirements. And if you have listened to my other podcasts, you know that this is the case for most things in what I call a mixed marriage, as NDs are often incapable of some things. And one cannot expect them to meet halfway or any of the sage advice that might work for NT-NT relationships. Again, because when one partner is hardwired, sure, you can go to marriage counseling, you can work together, and yes, there is compromise and growth and all those wonderful things that happen in a, in a regular neurotypical relationship. But in a mixed marriage of NTND, there's only so far that that ND person can go because, as I've told you many times before, you cannot expect an apple to be a pear. Neurodiverse people are wired in a certain fashion. You must accept that if you are to be happy in a mixed marriage, and you must not expect them to behave in a neurotypical fashion. It does not happen. So just keep that in mind. And with that in mind, know that often, my husband particularly, he bends over double backwards to make sure that I have a good life. He does everything within his power because he is aware that there are certain things that he cannot fulfill, like emotional fulfillment. That's a real challenge. You know, I joke and say, oh, you know, I'm married to the Iceman or married to Spock or Data, you know, all that. And there are definite truths in that statement. So can he fulfill me emotionally all the time? Mm, that's a challenge for him. So I reach out to other people like my family or my girlfriends or that sort of thing to get that fulfillment. Now, sexually... I do not have to reach out 
anywhere but to my own husband because he has worked really hard to do the things that he knows I like. And he is very capable at that, I might add. Sorry, children, if you're listening. And we have a perfectly lovely, amazing sex life. Now, it might have taken a little while to get here because there was definitely some things in the beginning that were a little unusual for me. One of the things that was a little bit of a challenge is uh, was repetition. Indeed, people have a tendency to be repetitive because they think, hey, that worked and it works. So let's stick to it. So that can lack some excitement and creativity at times. And so sometimes you have to have those hard conversations where you sit down and go, honey, um, you know, we need to change things up a little bit. Also, the hypersensitivity could definitely be a challenge. There are things to do about that for sure, and hyposensitivity as well, and I'll discuss that in just a second here. So I feel like sex with an indie partner, though sometimes can be habitual or rote or rigid, all you have to do is have that heart for communication and lovingly sit them down and say, hey, you know, why don't we try X and so or whatever, just like a neurotypical relationship where maybe after the fact the next day or something like that, you sit down and you say, you know, I, I love you so much. And I just want you to know that if you did A next time or B next time, that would be fun. And interesting and maybe a little different, right? So there are ways to talk to your indie partner and get them to vary it up a little bit and not be so habitual and routine. And I think everybody who's been married for a long time or in a relationship for a long time gets into that habit where they do things a, a certain way. And you kind of have to work to be outside of that pattern. But there are lots of ways to do that, and we don't even need to discuss that here because I'm sure you guys are creative and can come up with a whole veritable feasting of fun things that you could try. But just keep in mind that with ND partners, that is just a little bit more of a challenge than in a neurotypical relationship. You have to work a little bit harder to vary things up and be creative. So... Again, communication is is a big deal in all relationships, but especially a mixed marriage. So I also wanted to remind you that sex on the whole does not have to be this big, stressful deal. I know a lot of young people. I have a lot of younger friends. I am not immune to what is happening to the younger generation. I have younger children and I feel like I am in touch with what is happening to the younger generation. And I see a lot of them filled with angst. And I, I hate that because sex should be fun and enjoyable. And a lot of young people get really stressed out about 
the way things are going. They seem to have quite a few hangups. Older people do too, I'm certain. But with anxiety and of course, social media and lots of things on television that I feel are inappropriate have messed up a lot of young people's body images and the way they see themselves and the way they see their partners. And there's a lot of things wrapped around sex that shouldn't be because it's supposed to be fun. And I think a lot of young people put an awful lot of pressure on themselves and each other. And I encourage you to relax and laugh and poke fun. You'll feel better. I've had a variety of sexual experience and rarely did things go as planned. And I just encourage you to roll with it. Even if one person has to just stop and say, you know what, this isn't working for me. Try not to take that all personal and everything. Just pick up where you left off the next day or later or, or whatever. Because oftentimes people just get wrapped around the axle for no real reason. And they bring a lot of emotional stuff into it that shouldn't. So try to enjoy it. Try to relax. Try to have fun. You know, we've got enough stress in this world without having to be stressed about enjoying one of the best things about being human, if you ask me. So back to what do you do with hypersensitive partners and, and hyposensitive partners how can you help that situation? So there are some exercises for desensitizing. They are basic things that either the ND person can do to themselves or things that the NT partner can do for them with their permission, of course. So to start off lightly, if the person is so hypersensitive that they cannot stand to have the partner do these things to them, they can do the, these things to themselves. So let's just say your partner is so hypersensitive that even your light touch just tickles them terribly or it uh, makes them uh, ejaculate too quickly because they get so excited when you touch them that things go too quickly. All those things can be fixed by very small incremental measures. Let's just say one scenario might be you take your fingertips or a feather or something like that and you start in an area where you know that person can tolerate touch and set everything up for success. You know, have the lights soft, the music soft, maybe they even wear headphones. I don't know, whatever it takes to get your partner in a relaxed frame of mind, maybe a drink, I, I don't know, whatever you might like. And you start in an area of the body that is not super sensitive. And you gently move to an area of the body that you know is more sensitive. And then you stop immediately and go backwards to the less sensitive area. And you keep approaching the sensitive area over and over and over until the person starts to become desensitized. And then maybe the next exercise, you start in the sensitive area and maybe give it a little bit more pressure. And these are little tiny baby steps, always with the partner and full trust saying, okay, I've had enough 
and you stop and never go past the point of where they can't take it anymore. Another thing you can do is you start off with the lights completely off and then maybe you just have a candle in the room somewhere. Maybe you play very soft classical music or maybe you go from the spa music and move up into rock music eventually. Any of these kind of things can help your partner get used to the overstimulation that they are experiencing and then you can move on to enjoy them more so you don't have to be so conscientious of sending them over the edge into hypersensitivity and them not being able to enjoy the experience. Also, you can flip things where your hypersensitive partner, they're the person who does the majority of the touching. I mean, frankly, not a bad deal. So you can lay there and enjoy yourself and your partner can do more of the touching. So it can work that way as well. So what happens if you have a hyposensitive partner and they have to go through all these steps to become aroused, for example? This is a little bit more of a challenge for sure, especially if you have to go through all these very rigid steps to get to the end result. But I suggest to you that that can be worked on as well especially by veering away from the things that are so very specific. Like, let's just say there's a very strong pattern. A goes to B, B goes to C, C goes to D, and the ND partner is then therefore ready to enjoy sex. Well, maybe down the line we can skip D and or we add something else interesting into the D area and they all of a sudden are like, huh, okay, you know, that's not so bad. Be very creative. Try to find varying things that stimulate them and turn them on and use those things to your advantage. Again, you can also flip that where they concentrate harder on what does it for you and hopefully in return that will do it for them as well. If these things are not helpful to you, please seek out a professional. I always encourage that. Bill and I went to several marriage counselors and found some of the advice incredibly helpful, others not so much. And keep in mind, we're older and psychologists then didn't have a lot of experience in mixed marriages, so their advice wasn't necessarily as pointed as it could have been. So I Definitely encourage you to seek out a psychologist or psychiatrist that works with NDNT couples, and they should have a lot more advice than I have. Uh, but my bottom line is sex does not have to be this big, formal thing that's filled with anxiety. It's meant to be enjoyed. You are meant to enjoy each other. That's the way we are made. Relax, have some fun, laugh. And try to rid yourself step by step of whatever it is that's giving you the hangups in the in the bedroom department. I also want to offer some advice to young women, and this may be highly controversial. There may be some people who won't listen to me again <laughs> after I say this, but uh, there is one thing for sure. Most of the couples I know that are mixed are the man is the neurodiverse 
and the woman is the neurotypical. So I'm going to specifically address them here in just a second. I do have a very dear friend who is a woman and she is the neurodiverse and her partner is the neurotypical. And that is a whole host of other interesting things to talk about for sure. But for now, let let me just address the ND couples, NT couples where the man is the neurodiverse. Even neurodiverse men have sexual needs. Now, I do understand that a lot of neurodiverse men are sometimes not as into sex as their neurotypical counterparts might be. But you can also have the exact reverse where they are more hypersexual. But let's just say your neurodiverse man is interested in sex and and enjoys sex. I find that your relationship is going to go a lot better if you as a woman are open to having sex with your neurodiverse partner as often as you possibly can. And I know, I know, this is not very feminist. It's not very current thinking. But I'm here to tell you, ladies, that we own the world, okay? The power of the V. The power of the V will get you just about anything you so desire. And I I don't mean that in a manipulative way. I just mean that men are happy, happier if they get regular sex. And let's face it, it's not a bad deal for us either. So I encourage you to roll with it and have fun and satisfy your husband or boyfriend or whatever as often as you possibly can. Because you, on the other hand, will have such a happy mate that they will bend over double backwards to do things for you as well. Maybe not necessarily sexual things, but other things that you really, really enjoy. I got to tell you, it is uh, the magic of the man. I always tell young women, men are really not that complicated. They only really want two things. One of them is food and the other one isn't. And I swear to you, it, it works like a charm. So do your level best to just relax and give in and let them pleasure you and enjoy them. And you will have a mate that will more than likely double over backwards to do pretty much anything for you. Anyway, works for me. And sorry if I've offended just about everybody, but that's how I feel about it. So I just also want to remind you that I am nowhere near an expert in any of this. I'm just throwing out 30 years of experience here and mostly what my personal experiences are. As I'm studying more on neurotypical and neurodiverse relationships, I'm learning more and I'm meeting more people who are in the same situation as me. I happen to be the moderator, one of the moderators for Wives of Aspie's Facebook group. I learn a lot in there. I highly recommend that you join if you are in the same position I am and thousands of other people. It can be super helpful to know that there's others out there like you, and they just offer great advice. We have a lot of very experienced people in there, and they also focus on partner relationships. So 
they're going to help you learn how to stay in your relationship and make your relationship work or do their level best. It's not about getting a divorce or throwing your hands up. It's about working things out. And, and that's what I'm about because I've been married before and I'm here to tell you, unless you do an enormous amount of personal work, oftentimes you attract the exact same person that you divorced because there is a reason that you were attracted to them in the first place. And I always say that we're Swiss cheese people. We all fill our personal holes in different ways. Some people through drugs and alcohol, some people through sex, some people through gambling, some through uh, workaholics. They're, they work too often and don't play enough. Many people avoid their own personal problems by filling those holes with unhealthy things. So if we have not taken a long, hard look at those holes and filling and work on filling them ourselves, we often attract the exact same partner. So one thing I love about Wives of Aspies is that they're all about working on yourself to better your relationship. So you might want to check that out. Um, I also wanted to take just a moment to talk a little bit about sex and families with young children. Bill and I have five children together and I was pregnant early on in our relationship. So we never knew a time without little kids. So what do you do when you've got a family and you know, you guys are, would like to have sex, but the kids, right? There are ways around it. Trust me, granted, there might be a quite a few quickies in there, you know, hiring a babysitter, uh, if you can afford it and find one that you trust can be a good alternative for date night. I really encourage young families of any sort in tea or, or indie otherwise to make sure that they focus on the couple, because if there is no couple, there is no family and the couple needs to be very strong and united to live through kids, especially five, and I think mothers especially get lost in a lot of their duties and forget that their husbands still have needs, and, and they do as well. And if you are able to make sure that you take time for each other, you know, flirt, uh, send wife porn. That's what I call it. You know, you don't necessarily have to send anything salacious. It can be just like a little you know, little smirky smile or a little text of, Hey, I can't wait to see you when you get home or anything like that to put some fun in your life and set the course and set the mood. Uh, it, you'd be surprised at how much fun you can have with that stuff, trying to be creative to set the tempo for maybe some fun later on. You can always send your kids to the neighbor's house for an hour or two if they're old enough to go play. There's all kinds of things that you can do. Think about maybe certain fantasies that you might enjoy. Go away for a four-day weekend if possible, and the mother-in-law comes and watch the kids. You know, do these things for yourself so that the couple is strong, because as the couple is strong, the family will be strong. I hope this podcast episode has given you some ideas of what it's like for Indies to have sex. I hope I've given you some idea of what it's like for sex in a mixed marriage. And I hope I've given you some idea of what it's like 
or what it can be like for you as a young person or an older person for that matter to just relax and enjoy sex. Believe it or not, I have a lot more to say on this topic that would have absolutely nothing to do with touching the tism. And I've put some thought into this and I think in the future I might be sending my podcast in a different direction where I talk about relationships, especially in the under 40 crowd, because I see an awful lot of young people really struggling, a lot of children, teenagers, young adults struggling with their relationships and having less guidance than I would like. My parents were far from perfect, and I think Bill and I were far from perfect, but I do think we offer some good examples of what to do and certainly what not to do. And I do mentor quite a few young people that I very much enjoy helping to guide in their life because I see that they need a strong maternal figure. Also, my husband certainly is an example for a lot of young men on what it's like to be a man in this day and age. And he mentors quite a few young people and just seems to attract them. I think this is our forte. So I do feel like touching the tism is possibly going to be a more limited podcast for me. If you have any topic that you would really like for me to bring up, I am certainly happy to talk about it. And in the future, Touching the Tism, I think, may morph into a more broad-spectrum podcast offering up advice to the, I'd say, under-40 crowd to see if I can help you guys enjoy your lives more and be less anxiety-ridden and just generally have a lot more fun and maybe help you clear up some things that seems to be definitely plaguing the younger generations these days. I have a heart for young people. I am in touch with them because I have five children and I see what challenges that they face in this world. And it's a lot with social media and politics and the way the world is going. I feel strongly that uh, you guys are all in need of strong examples. And if I can possibly offer that to the world in some way, I, I would really like to do that. So anyway, again, if you want to write to me, you can reach me at married to the iceman at gmail.com. Check out Bill's podcast. If you get a chance chasing ghosts and I would love to hear from any of you if you have any suggestions about the future of my podcast. So thank you so much for listening. This is a little extra long episode because I feel like I cheated you guys a little bit because with everything that's going on with me personally, it made it a little hard for me to get to the microphone. Anyway, thanks again for listening. Children, I hope I didn't embarrass you too badly. I tried to keep it tame. Believe me, I could have said a lot worse. Anyway, thanks again for listening. I'm Lilo Bupert, and this is another episode of Touching the Tism.